You're tuned to KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, October 17th. It's 6 p.m. and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. I'm Claudio Mendonça. Proposition 28 on the November ballot would, if passed, increase the amount the state provides to public schools for arts education. The California report takes us to Richmond High to look at what it could mean for that Bay Area high school. The Confederated Tribes of the Colville Reservation in Washington recently accepted a federal grant to help build internet infrastructure across the reservation. National Native News brings us that story. We close with a walk in the park with Sid Brown of the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. The mayor of Stockton says he's grateful to the community and law enforcement for what led to the arrest of a man suspected of killing five men in the Stockton area and another in Oakland. When the people of our city of Stockton, California, come together and we unite, we can get things done. Stockton Mayor Kevin Lincoln is referring to the hundreds of tips that came in from the public and helped police locate 43-year-old Wesley Brownlee in his car on Saturday. Investigators say Brownlee was in possession of a gun when he was arrested, and they believe ballistic tests and video evidence link the crimes. A group of workers at an Amazon facility in San Bernardino County has filed a complaint with the National Labor Relations Board. According to the L.A. Times, the group claims the company threatened and then fired an employee in retaliation for activities such as signing a petition for higher pay. They also allege the e-commerce giant has written up others for union-related activities. Amazon denies the claims. Dozens of workers walked off the job Friday over pay and poor working conditions. Next month, voters will decide whether or not to increase arts funding to public schools across the state. KQED's Julia McAvoy reports on what that would mean for one school in the Bay Area. When it comes to high-quality arts education, Richmond High senior Anjali Montanza says it's pretty clear all things are not created equal. Like over the years, I've noticed like communities like mine, Richmond High, where it's predominantly brown kids, we don't get the same opportunity as in like Hercules, which is, you know, uh, predominantly Asian kids and white kids. Montanzas plays viola in the Richmond High Advanced Orchestra. The school of 1,500 students is 85% Latino. Parents, students, and teachers have tried, like here in Richmond High and Kennedy, to get the funding that they have. We don't have the money, you know? Many Richmond High families, including Montanzas's, are working class. Like, not many people say it, but it's also a race thing. It's a socioeconomic class thing. It's just an issue. The quality of arts education varies from district to district and often depends on where you live. Voters in wealthier communities often raise local taxes to fund arts in schools. Those disparities became even more acute during the pandemic. I had so many principals call me or email me saying that my students have been sitting in front of a screen for a year and a half. They need to sing. They need to move. They need to express themselves. Andrea Lundin heads school partnerships for East Bay Center for the Performing Arts, a community organization that sends part-time arts teachers into schools in Richmond to help fill the gaps. Lundin says there is never enough money or artists, which means lots of kids are missing out. Sometimes 
kids can't really name exactly what's going on emotionally or mentally, but once they start to move or sing or play an instrument, then there's so much healing that goes on. A measure on this year's ballot could help. Proposition 28 would double the amount of money schools get to about $1 billion annually, locking in a permanent source of funding even during tough budget times when schools tend to cut the arts. And a third of that new money would go to schools serving economically disadvantaged students. At Richmond High, that would mean enough to hire someone to help Andrew Wilkie, who teaches seven periods, runs the marching band and the orchestra, oversees all the instruments, scheduling, transportation. This list actually goes on. I'm like, I'm done. I'm like, I'm, I'm like at rock bottom emotionally. Because not only am I trying to hold all these classes together and teach them all, I'm trying to find money. Schools must use 80 percent of their money to hire full-time credentialed teachers, which could help get talented artists like spoken word poet Jazz Monique Hudson back in the classroom. I was set to teach this semester, but could not teach in the teaching art program because there wasn't enough funding for the spoken word program. Hudson found a new full-time job, but says she would love to be able to return to teaching. There is no official opposition to Proposition 28, but there are those critical of so-called ballot box budgeting, voters tying the hands of legislators by locking in a funding structure that can't be undone when a recession hits, for example. Then there is the accountability piece. Schools would have to create new ways of tracking personnel, which could take time and be a big lift. At Richmond High, student Angeli Montanzas is hoping that's something her orchestra leader, Mr. Wilkie, would be willing to do if it means getting more money in the door. Music really, you know, helped me express how I felt deep inside that I couldn't express with words. And also if I'm just having a hard day, you know, just playing music, like I could just let it all out. Wilkie says it's a job he'll happily take on if he can reach more kids. For the California Report, I'm Julia McAvoy. Support for the California Report comes from Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com slash CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org slash health-equity. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org. Today marks 33 years since the Loma Prieta earthquake shook the Bay Area. The magnitude 6.9 quake killed 63 people and injured nearly 3,000. Oh my God, we're having an earthquake. Wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Can you feel that? That terrifying audio comes from Bay Area TV station KGO. The region hadn't seen a major quake since the 1906 tremor. Loma Prieta collapsed about 50 feet of the top corridor on the Bay Bridge. It stopped the World Series game at Candlestick Park and started two major fires in San Francisco. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi says he felt the ground shaking beneath him in his home in San Jose for 20 seconds. 
If you want to share your experience of that day with us, you can tweet me at ByMadiBolaños or email me at mbolaños at kqed.org. And that's the California Report for Monday, October 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. The Tribal Tribune of Nespalem, Washington, reports that the Confederated Tribes of the Colville Reservation recently accepted a federal grant of almost $50 million to construct internet infrastructure across the Colville Reservation. Over the next five years, fiber optic lines will be connected directly to homes as much as possible, and wireless services will be constructed with the goal of providing quality, high-speed internet access across the entire reservation. National Native News has more. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Colville Confederated Tribes are getting some much-needed funding to help expand broadband services on the reservation. Steve Jackson reports. Colville Tribal Business Chairman Jared Michael Erickson says Internet access on the Colville Reservation is spotty at best. He says less than half of the reservation has any access at all. Erickson says that was a big obstacle to students during the height of the COVID pandemic when they had to attend classes remotely from home. We, you know, we help buy hotspots with the school districts, working with them for our kids. But a lot, they just want to work where they live. So they have to go to where they can find a wireless signal or they can get service on their phone to do some of their work or turn it in. So um, they weren't even able to do it within the, you know, comforts of their home trying to get these things done. The federal government is stepping in with a big infusion of money, $48 million from the National Telecommunications and Information Administration to establish and improve Internet access. Erickson says the money will be used for both fiber and wireless systems to the OMAC, Nespelum, Keller, and Inchileum districts. He hopes service can reach many people who are in underserved rural locations on the 1.4 million acre reservation. The tribes have already established their own internet provider service, Bigfoot Communications. The construction of the new broadband infrastructure will begin as soon as the grant money comes in, which is expected soon. For National Native News, I'm Steve Jackson reporting from Spokane. The All Pueblo Council of Governors in New Mexico hosted a forum in Albuquerque on Friday for candidates vying for congressional and state seats. All Pueblo Council of Governors Chairman Mark Mitchell says the candidates need to know that tribes have the oldest existing governments in the state. And he says tribes need to be recognized and treated as sovereign nations, having government-to-government relationships. It's critical now that the folks that are running understand that this is happening and that we've been here and it is time that we hold such an event. And it's historical at this moment because we're right in between getting ready for voting and we're we're right there. So hopefully our our people, the Native people, the Indigenous people come out to vote. Five candidates for congressional districts, including all three of New Mexico's current U.S. House of Representatives, attended the event. Only one challenger was not there, having a representative speak on his behalf. Candidates running for state attorney general, secretary of state, treasurer, and public lands commissioner came to the forum. Both candidates for the top state race, governor of New Mexico, were invited. Current Democratic Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham did not attend, but had Lieutenant Governor Howie Morales speak on behalf of their administration and bid for re-election. Republican challenger Mark Ronchetti came to an early meet and greet with leaders, but left and 
and did not stay for the forum. Each candidate was given five minutes to address leaders and time to answer any questions posed to them by the council. Among issues discussed were water rights, missing and murdered Indigenous women, child welfare, public safety, sacred site protection, and native language and culture in public education. Chairman Mitchell. The issue, of course, at the core is funding. And then secondly is the health care, mental, mental health, etc. Senior care, elders, um, education is a critical component of all that. So a little bit of everything that we're trying to have the candidates understand our issues. The council represents the 19 pueblos of New Mexico and one in Texas. A number of Pueblo leaders attended the forum, which was also streamed online. In Minnesota, the Red Lake Nation and its Political Education Committee are hosting a candidate fair October 25th. Candidates for local and state offices and a congressional district have been invited. Organizers hope to draw both Native and non-Native community members to the event. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Do you know how to help someone having a seizure? Join us for National Epilepsy Awareness Month and become Seizure First Aid Certified at epilepsy.com slash first aid or call 1-800-332-1000 today. The Epilepsy Foundation supports this show. Support by BNSF Railway, proudly supporting the nation's economy by moving the goods that feed, supply, and power communities across the country. More at bnsf.com slash tribal relations. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Locally, Sue Hoke, District 4 Supervisor for Nevada County, is hosting a San Juan Ridge Town Hall tonight. The meeting is taking place at the North Columbia Schoolhouse Cultural Center at 17894 Tyler Foot Road until 7 p.m. Measure V, the county's cannabis ordinance, and the county's recreational master plan are among the topics scheduled for discussion. Turning now to the weather forecast from the National Weather Service and air quality data from purpleair.com, our region experienced close to normal temperatures today, but warmer weather is expected to return through the remainder of the week with a chance of rain coming this weekend. Tonight in Grass Valley and Nevada City, mostly cloudy with a low around 54. Tuesday will be partly sunny with a high near 81. Today's AQI average was 45, which is satisfactory. Truckee and the Lake Tahoe area saw satisfactory air quality today as well. The average there was 33. Tonight will bring increasing clouds to the area with a low of 38 degrees. Tuesday will be mostly cloudy with a high near 69 degrees. And in Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight mostly cloudy skies with a low around 56. Tuesday will be partly sunny with a high near 83. The air quality index in Sacramento today was satisfactory, the average in the mid-40s. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Sid Brown sits on the board of the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation 
a nonprofit organization that supports park-related educational activities and helps to preserve the natural and cultural resources of Western Nevada County's three state parks. Once a month, we check in with her for a segment we call A Walk in the Park. It's been a while, and we're absolutely into the beautiful days of fall now. And I realized last time we spoke, I kind of gave Malakoff Diggins a short shrift. And so I'm going to start with what's happening at Malakoff Diggins, best accessed from Highway 49 and Tylerfoot Road, coming from Nevada City, is beautiful this time of year and will be beautiful for, I'd say, another month, maybe even six weeks. The fall colors there are particularly gorgeous. And when we have these beautiful crystal blue skies and the red and gold trees along North Bloomfield Road with those old buildings, it's just a a photographer's paradise. And even if you're not a photographer, it's a lovely time of year to explore the downtown, quote unquote, uh, ghost town of North Bloomfield. And even though the buildings are not open to public entry, there are over 20 miles of trails and many really well thought out interpretive signs and panels that describe what's going on. So you can do your own self-guided tour there at Malakoff Diggins, and it's just a delightful place. Um, And also the campground is still open on a first-come, first-served basis through October and perhaps into November weather depending. So if you've got an uh, itching to go camping at a local spot, Malakoff Dickens Campground is absolutely beautiful and um, it's a great place to get together with family and friends. And then I have one other thing I almost forgot, just a little announcement and you might be able to go on the website to find out more details, but at Malakoff Diggins State Historic Park, State Parks is looking for someone to join their interpretive team, a paid staff member, classified senior park aide, to work on developing and presenting interpretive programming related to the environmental restoration project at Malakoff. So it's a full-time position, but seasonal. That means probably about the equivalent of nine months full-time with flexible hours, might even have housing available. To find out more information about that job, you can go to parks.ca.gov and then go to the Malakoff Diggins Find a Park webpage. And the final filing date for this position is November 28th of 2022. There's lots of information available. If anybody's interested in joining state park staff, we'd love to have you. Now at South Yuba River State Park, we have several access points. Um, People may be most familiar with the Bridgeport area. We'll start downstream um, where we have the Bridgeport Covered Bridge recently restored and open for public use now. But I do need to tell you that the Point Defiance Trail at the moment is closed at the top end of it. So you can go from the Bridgeport Covered Bridge out to Point Defiance. There's a little picnic area there and back. But the park staff is doing a repair or reconstruction of a little pedestrian bridge over a portion of the trail 
up near um, Rice's Crossing Road. So the Point Defiance Trail as a loop is officially closed right now in middle of October, and it'll only be closed for maybe another couple of weeks, and then it'll be open for full use. Also at um, Mother's Beach, right below Bridgeport Covered Bridge, is closed for some much-needed maintenance by state park staff. That said, Buttermilk Bend Trail is open, and there are beautiful trails around the um, developed area of South Yuba River at Bridgeport. Also, the Jones Bar Trail, which takes off from Independence Trail off of Highway 49, is open. And then there's a trail to Hoyt's Crossing from the old bridge on Highway 49. And I do want to shout out that the river right now, although it is chilly, it's crystal clear and the waters are just beautiful. You don't have to go in to enjoy the beautiful scene of water and rock uh, that we have here at the South Yuba River. And then there's one other thing I wanted to bring to your attention. We've talked in the past about our partnership with the South Yuba River Citizens League, and we did participate in the Yuba River cleanup. It was held September 10th through 17th, and I just think the statistics from the cleanup are worth noting. 23 sites, 407 volunteers. The oldest volunteer was 85 years old and the youngest volunteer was only two. We chalked up something like 1,220 hours of volunteer time and 397 bags of trash and recycling. It was a very successful event. At Empire Mine State Historic Park, we do have summer hours through October. The visitor center is open from 10 to 5. There's a lovely little visitor center and museum with very interesting uh, mine model and um, various displays and interpretive information about the development of the mine. Right now, through October, with the $5 admission, we offer estate tours at 11 o'clock every single day and mine yard tours at noon. That's through October, and the frequency will become less. We won't have them every single day starting November 1st. Coming up next month, we will be having a slightly modified, but really happy to welcome back the annual event at Empire Mine we call Holidays at the Empire. And that is held traditionally the Friday after Thanksgiving. And there will be some special things for families and out-of-town guests at Empire Mine on that particular day. Regardless whether you come to Empire Mine the day after Thanksgiving or go to another park, that's always a day that we really encourage people to get outside. And let's uh, appreciate our beautiful nature that we have here in Nevada County. That's our newscast for this evening. KVMR gets support from listeners like you and from businesses like the South Yuba Club, offering over 100 classes weekly, including cycling, yoga, swimming, pickleball, senior classes, and more. Located in Grass Valley at 130 West Berry Hill Drive. More information online at southyubaclub.com. And the Pizza Joint offering a variety of New York-style pizza specialties prepared with fresh ingredients by the slice or pie, plus salads, pasta, and local beer. 
open daily on Commercial Street in Nevada City, thepizzajointnc.com. If you'd like to hear this or any of our past newscasts again, head on over to our website, kvmr.org, or subscribe to our podcast. And if you haven't already, consider following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening, and have a good evening.